Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Adventures in Hellworld presents Who Shot JFK? Who shot JFK? It was Lee Harvey Oswald. Hello everybody. Hellworld presents Who Killed Kennedy? It was Lee Harvey Oswald. Episode 6, The Gateway to Madness. This is the first episode that I really feel like just goes absolutely off the rails for Rob. And, that, and we've been pretty much crushing them the whole time, but this one's this one's especially <laughs> bad. I'm joined as always by Haley, aka Arizona Right Watch. Hello, I hear that Oswald was not involved, so this will be interesting. <laughs> yes, we are Oswald, totally innocent. We're episode eight again. I, I keep like weeding these things up, but episode eight is banana stickers. Like episode seven is boring. Well, we're going to have to find a way to like punch up episode seven, but episode this episode, you've been waiting for it. We're going to deliver it. I promise you, this is just absolute bonkers. But episode eight is also bonkers. I haven't listened to nine and ten yet, but uh, I'm getting to them. I'm trying. I'm like stealing myself for how <laughs> how because like, it feels like we're getting a lot of downhill crazy momentum as this series has gone on, and um, so it's just like man, this is uh, this is going to be brutal. So uh, here we are. And your brain can only take so much at a time. Uh, yes, <laughs> only only so much of Rob Reiner's gruesome pilledness can seep into me at a given time. But um, this this episode is pretty wild. Uh, this is all about Richard Case Nagel, who is a really like in conspiracy world. And I lived in this world again in the nineties and on, I was very much immersed in this stuff. I was obsessed with it. Nagel was always a fringe kind of character. I never really thought of him as being very important, 
but this series has presented Nagel as practically the linchpin of the conspiracy theories. That to know Nagel is to know the truth. And I really don't think that's very accurate. We Rob Reiner is just Dick Russell pilled. He just yes, likes Dick, his book. Yep, Dick Russell just this, yeah, this 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 whole podcast is just a stealth advertising campaign for the man who knew too much. It's just this mm-hmm. impressive <laughs> thing. It's wild. It's like it's like Dick Russell went to Rob Reiner with this book, and then Rob Reiner grabbed the book and went to Soledad O'Brien. It was like Soledad. We have to do a podcast based off this book, and also based off of my internal madness over like the Kennedy assassination. And then Soledad was like, "Sounds good to me." And this episode is basically like a three person pod, really, because Dick just just chews up the scenery. Dick just takes over, and then Rob shows up for a bit. And then they remember solid ads around, so they just throw the solid ad like a little bit at the end, which is just it is. I've, I've said it before, but the solid ad sections are so patronizing. Whenever Rob says solid ad, can you read this? It just it's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear him saying that because it just seems so forced and so like just inorganic a spot where you're just like. Oh, right. I forgot the female voice is a part of this podcast. Yo, female voice, female it up for me. And then it's Solid her Ed's- podcast. I feel like, I feel like Solid Ed, honey, you're a journalist. Don't do this to yourself. Do not put your name on this. Do not, you shouldn't be introducing this as your production because you're doing, you're doing false flag conspiracy theorism for y- 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 a celebrity. Well, that's the big they they actually bring up false flags they literally go full mm-hmm. info wars in this thing and they're like this is But they want people- you to know that it's the right kind of false flag cuz they're like they tell you they're like you know false flags now we're getting into cuckoo bananas town that's 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 the stuff of you know Alex Jones types they don't say Alex Jones types but they're letting you know that their type of conspiracy theorism is different from the other type of conspiracy theorism so they give you examples like weapons of mass destruction uh during the iraq war was a lie and they're try- this is the same but this is why i think that rob reiner could be convinced to eventually do a 9-11 conspiracy podcast at some point down the line um because it's just like yeah these are the narratives that we've heard you know in the past where it's like uh the government lies to you that's why my my cuckoo bananas conspiracy about false flags is actually true and it's like yeah the government lies to you but that doesn't mean that your lies are true sir <clears throat> yeah and, and that was one of the i think what was so weird and we're kind of going to the back we're, we're almost going in reverse order here so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll hit this then we'll go back to the front of this podcast it's just wild that they brought up false flags in this episode <laughs> but the thing that was so weird was that like you 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 have your two easy false flags to attack the government on which was wmds in iraq and the Gulf of Tonkin. And like you can just say those two things and literally every conspiracy theorist is just going to nod along with you and be like, yeah, yeah, damn right, government bad. But they spent a lot of time talking about the the main, the ship that blew up that started the Spanish-American War. And they were just sort of like, America wanted to go to war with Spain. And then the main blew up. So we got that war. And I'm not a Maine truther of the USS Maine. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about the USS Maine, but I do know that, like, the 
study around that is that it's murky that we don't know if the main was a quote-unquote false flag or not, or if it was an accident that was then used for propaganda purposes, or if Spain actually just did it. We like Knowing the truth about that is really tough because it's like over 100 years ago. It's not this very obvious thing. Like WMDs in Iraq is just the easiest, slam-dunkiest, slam-dunk of all time. You can just be like, Government said there were WMDs in Iraq. We went to over Iraq. There were no WMDs. Fucked government. Boom. 9-11 was an inside job. You can just do that. That's, that's super easy. I really don't know why they spent so much time on the USS Maine. Because like, a lot of Americans around them banging their clogs going, we should have never gone to war with Spain. That was just so <laughs> terrible what we did back then to those poor Spaniards. And we stole all their gold doubloons. I mean, it's like, really? USS Maine experts, call in, please. Let us know. <laughs> yes, please explain so the, the false flag narrative around this. Yeah. How pilled is Rob Reiner? Yeah, please we'll, explain we'll, to me. We'll get a 10-part series in the USS Maine in the Spanish American <laughs> War. Go, yep. go break down a really weird rabbit hole. And then and then every week I'll tune in to check my viewership for that that podcast series. Seven. Yeah. Twelve people. Wow. We just doubled. <laughs> we, episode one was 20, Episode two seven. Yes. We're crushing a lot of people out there want to hear about the USS Maine. A lot of people. Yep. Conspiracies around the USS Maine. That's a big, that's yeah, a big, big cell phone. Big, big industry in the podcast universe. Big, <laughs> big. A lot of pods about that. So, yeah. So, this episode actually begins with um, we're talking about uh, we, we, do, we do like the recap of episode five. Uh, we continue to slander Ruth Payne some more. Yep. Which. I mean, Every time her name is mentioned, they say CIA-linked Ruth Payne. Every single time. Because they can't prove she was CIA. So they have to say CIA-connected, CIA-linked. You know? Right. And and they practically spit after they say her name, too. It's like CIA-operative <laughs> Ruth Payne. <laughs> I, I, I curse upon thee, Ruth Payne. You betrayer of America. And as as we covered in the last episode... She did not. She was not the one who brought forward the job offer of the Texas School Book Depository. It was one of her friends who was talking to Marina and her. It was someone else. That woman said, "Hey, a relative of mine got a job at the Texas School Book Depository. Maybe they need somebody else." And then Oswald went to Roy Truly, talked to him. Roy Truly gave him the job. And then afterwards, Roy Truly could have sent Oswald to a different warehouse that was not on the motorcade route, or he could have kept him in the main building, which was on the motorcade route. And Roy Truly made the decision to keep him in the main building. So, but I never hear anything about Roy Truly being CIA connected. Like, he was the one who put Oswald in position. It wasn't Ruth Payne. But but Ruth Payne took Oswald's wife back with her to Dallas. And then Kennedy said he was going to Dallas. And it's just- also, she's interested in learning Russian, which is suspicious and not totally xenophobic whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like this i i'm gonna go ahead and say it um this is a funny thing that they've done uh like when they were baking the other guy's appearance unnecessarily and yeah like basically finding suspicion when someone speaks another language in america or has interest in that as if that doesn't as if that does doesn't contribute to a very incredibly racist and often xenophobic narrative that we see nowadays I I just find that to be a weird thing 
to do to be like that person wants to speak another language in America where we speak English suspicious I don't know I don't like it I thought it was a weird thing to do it's really <laughs> weird because like the whole the whole thrust of this series is that Kennedy was the peace president that Kennedy was the guy who had suddenly figured out that this whole Cold War thing was bad and that we need to forge a new path forward. We have to find solidarity and brotherhood with the Soviets. And that Kennedy's peace speech like made Khrushchev weep and he rebroadcasted in Russian, it retranslated to in Russian, and you had this thawing of relations between the Soviets and the Americans after the Cuban Missile Crisis between Khrushchev and Kennedy. And then you have on a very minor level by comparison, Ruth Payne seeking solidarity with the, the Soviet people, wanting to learn Russian, wanting to have Russians learn American culture and vice versa. And Rob Reiner's just like, she's got the CIA to be thinking that kind of stuff. Like, why else would Super you be suspicious. doing this? Yeah, this is this is obviously <laughs> nefarious. This is like the same things that had like all of the enemies in this series that like that literally all of the bad guys in this in this podcast are Kennedy is soft on communism. Kennedy's going to roll over for them commies. And then Ruth Payne does the same thing. And it's just like, Ruth Payne, communist. And it's like, wait a minute. Is, well, when Kennedy does it, it's good. But when Ruth Payne does it, it's bad? What, what are we doing here? Like, how Square that circle for me, please. It's just so bizarre. So uh, we slander Ruth Payne. We uh, go over more like episode five stuff. We talk about like Oswald getting the job and all that good stuff. And then we get to the the big, we hit us with the opening sting. We hit us with the, the hook that brings you into the podcast, which is that uh, we relitigate that Nagel goes into a bank, pulls out a gun, fires a couple bullets into the ceiling of the bank. And then this cop uh, arrests him, and the cop's name is Jim Bundren. And Jim Bundren, when Remember that name, listeners. Yes, remember (laughs) that name. It's very important. (laughs) When when Bundren is grabbing, uh, when Bundren is grabbing Nagel, Nagel states that he wants to be arrested because he doesn't want to be anywhere near Dallas. And Bundren's like, what does that mean? And basically, it, it's this whole thing where it's like, Nagel's like, you'll know soon enough. The dark truth will be revealed in time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the thing about this is, if this had happened, if this went down the way Bundren claims it did, and if, and, and this is and this happened in such a way that it was public knowledge you wouldn't be hearing about this in a podcast 60 years later. Rob Reiner would have been hearing this from Mort Saul back in the day when he was busy getting Kennedy pilled in the 60s. This would have been incredibly explosive information. And the reason why no one's heard about this is because Bundren first came up with this quote in 1990. And he'd been interviewed by Dick Russert before this, and he never said it to him then. But 15 years later, Bundren remembers, oh, yeah, by the way, Nagel said Dallas. And it's like, oh, really? How convenient is that? Holy shit. 
what an interesting story that just fits into um the narrative that we've now known for decades at this point <laughs> right exactly this is the whole thing is that people learned what to say in order to get attention by that point like now we know what you do in order to get the conspiracy people to buy your book or listen to your story or let you go onto the talk circuit so if you're this unbelievably really tangentially related to the conspiracy theory as as J- Jim Bundren is all you have to do is like oh yeah Nagel told me about Dallas back then and it's like what and the important part about this is that Kennedy's plan to go to Dallas was not released at that time there was no information Kennedy was going to doing a trip through Texas when this Nagel was This is so arrested. funny. Yeah. Because it does make it into the podcast. They yeah. they I don't know if they realize it because it's not in order when they're saying it, but they do explain obviously when um Nagel was arrested and then they also explain when the announcement for Kennedy's trip to Dallas is and uh that happened after he was already in jail the announcement for when he was in Dallas going to be in Dallas so the timeline doesn't match up and yeah on the website that also debunks Nagel's claims it points that out and I was like dude that was totally in the fucking episode like their t- their own timeline in the podcast doesn't make sense <laughs> And and the thing about this is, is that there'll there'll be people like, oh, Nagel had inside knowledge that they were going to do this. And proof, we have proof, evidence, anything of that. Who and presidential plans change the spur of the moment. Like um, when the Cuban Missile Crisis hit, Kennedy like stopped going out and was bunkered into the White House for a period of time. Like events happen that can disrupt things. The idea that Kennedy had to be brought to Dallas and had to be killed in Dallas, and he had to be killed in front of the Texas School Book Depository so we could blame it on Lee Harvey Oswald, you are putting so many eggs into this basket. This, I mean, the amount of investment you're doing into Lee Harvey Oswald is insane when you consider all of the tiny little things that could have happened that could have made this whole thing go horribly wrong. Like the morning of the assassination, it was pouring rain and it just so happened that like an hour before the motorcade, the rain stopped. What happens if the rain just continues? What if the rain just continues? They leave the bubble top on top of the limo. And now I don't now. Um, I'll let everyone know the, the the bubble top that was supposed to be on the limo was not bulletproof. So it would not have stopped the bullets from going through. But once you do that, once you have like a plastic shield between the president and the people trying to kill him, that would have created a lot more evidence of the conspiracy or of Oswald's guilt because you now would have had bullet holes going through this bubble top into the president or not. And that's the thing is that, oh, my God, imagine if Kennedy gets killed with this bubble top. They take the bubble top off. There's no bullet holes in it. And we and we have photos. We have everything. The conspiracy is completely exposed. They're they're completely screwed. Um, Alternative. Let's just say instead of just a rainstorm, it was a thunderstorm and people don't go out in the thunder. 
And then the Secret Service is like, well, we're just going to cancel the motorcade. We're just going to have Kennedy uh, just drive there direct with no parade route. And that just happens. And now Oswald can't be framed for killing the president because the weather was too bad. So Kennedy just gets to the trademark by other means. Because I think uh, I have read um, like reports about Kennedy's travel itinerary and the motorcade was a 10 mile, like luxurious stroll through Dallas from Love Field to the trademark. And the plan uh, after that was for Kennedy to go back to the to Love Field and then fly to Austin. And the route from the trademark to Love Field on the way back was supposed to be just a four-mile direct route. It was supposed to be a four-mile drive. So if the weather was so bad, they would have just taken the direct route to, to the trademark and been like, sorry, guys, couldn't do a motorcade today. The weather was too bad. And now all the planning to kill Kennedy goes out the window because the weather sucked. And I mean, it's just... It's just all of the work that they're doing, all of this to put Kennedy in this one specific spot so that Lee Harvey Oswald can be framed for it. It's nuts. I mean, why would you do all this work and invest so much just to, for, to, for that, for the, for the chance to put Kennedy in this one spot when a million variables could have gone another way? There was a, there was a lot of arguing about if Kennedy should go to the trademark or there was arguments about how the parade route was going to be structured. But no, none of that is true. It's all kayfabe. The truth was the motorcade was, Kennedy was going to Dallas. The motorcade was going on that route. It was all etched in stone, like, I don't know, three months ago when Nagel shot into that bank and then said, I don't want to be in Dallas. Reiner describes it as the chess pieces are moving into place. So the way that he's describing it is that literally every action that is taken before the assassination was pre-planned to eventually lead to the assassination from Oswald's teenage years. We're getting, it's not just like since we knew about Kennedy going to Dallas, we're talking like Oswald has been getting programmed since he was a teenager to eventually carry out a mission. And then the, the mission ended up being the assassination. Or was it? Because we don't know yet who's going to get pinned on this assassination right. in the final episode. But yeah, that's what the, I, you know, that's kind of the, the story that they're telling is that like every single fucking little detail that happened leading up to the assassination was actually carefully crafted to kill Kennedy. Right. They they even they even uh, saw the rain that morning in Dallas and they turned the heart machine to Sunny to make sure that the weather would stay clean. <laughs> they they did that. I mean that's mm-hmm. that's the and and I really think that this is something that a lot of conspiracy theorists re- don't want to un- understand or acknowledge about what happened is how much happenstance and bad luck was involved in this, and that's really what this comes down to is that. In a lot of ways, thinking that there was no way Kennedy could have survived that trip through Dallas is almost comforting. It's like, oh, man, the, those those evil bad people set him up and they took him out and that's just the way it was. And it's just like, you know, it's not really true. If um, Oswald gets that other job, Kennedy probably goes through Dallas without a hitch. If it's too rainy and they put the bubble top on, Oswald probably pokes his gun out the window and then looks at the bubble top and goes, oh, fuck, they got the bulletproof bubble top on. And then he pulls his gun back and doesn't try to shoot the president. I mean, there's so many ways this could have broke differently where Kennedy is not killed. And 
I think that's incredibly frustrating that we're, we're, we basically won the negative lottery where we're the timeline where everything breaks perfectly right for Oswald to have a chance to kill Kennedy. And we don't live in all the myriad of timelines where Kennedy just goes through Dallas, like no problem, no muss, no fuss. And it's just, people don't want to think that they want to think that Daily Plaza was just this den of snipers and 55 bullets came at Kennedy from all angles and he had to die. He just was 100% a goner. And I think that's just like silly. And there's like, there's no evidence for that. So yeah. And I, I actually, um, I even in my notes had that whole uh, chess pieces are being moved around the board. And so Nagel begins his story about how he was working with Oswald in Japan. But the problem with that account is that he specified that he went, he was working with Oswald in 1957 and Oswald was taken out of, out of action on October 27, 1957, when he accidentally shot himself with a Derringer and he was hospitalized for three weeks. And he returned to duty on November 20th, just in time to ship out to Kubi Point in the Philippines. And he would not return to Japan until March 18th, the following year. So Nagel and Oswald working together to target Soviet Colonel Nikolai Eskoshin, or Eskoshin, don't know, I'm bad at names. So, like, it doesn't fit the timeline. And also, it makes no sense that a, like, 18-year-old Marine would be tasked with an espionage case. Why would the CIA be like, yo, Nagel, we want you to grab this guy Oswald, and then we want you to get this Russian colonel to defect to America. And Nagel's like, sounds good, boss. I often have 18-year-old Marines tagging along with me in my espionage missions, because that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean... The whole story with Nagel is just... We are believing one man's wild claims um, and kind of fitting that into the greater story of the JFK assassination uh, when this guy's just fucking lying about, like, all this shit. Um, Yeah, so that was fun just to listen to a whole episode about a guy who um, was pretty abusive towards his wife and... um, kind of had a shitty life and then shot up a bank and then after the fact eventually made up some shit and now we have to listen to a whole episode about this guy's wild claims that are all based i was like waiting for a fucking backed up by fact on any of this i was just like are we just like listening to what this guy fucking said and a bunch of this shit just inconveniently disappeared before he could ever prove it or after he died it was all magically destroyed and it's just all a bunch of air of mystery and this whole story with Nagel is basically just like it literally is so QAnon it's like this big story happening behind the scenes the deep state is like fighting the monsters there's a big story um you know there's characters that are pl- pl- planning on killing one another. There's assassination plots happening. Uh, there's people planning on taking out those assassins. Like there's assassin on assassin fighting going on here. Um, this is just, you can just say anything. Cause there's no, 
this is all just basically like this is what happened behind the scenes before Kennedy got assassinated, but you don't know about it because it's secret. And uh, I'll skip. I'll skip to the end of the Nagel story in this podcast real quick because what Haley is bringing up here is Nagel always claimed to have lots of evidence. There's Rob Reiner talks about how um, he said he sent registered letters to all these different people. No one's ever claimed they've seen these letters. Um, the big payoff at the end of the whole thing is that after Nagel dies, right before he is set to testify before I believe the House Subcommittee, right before he dies, uh, he dies. And then allegedly the container that had all his evidence that would bring the, the whole house of cards crumbling down, his son, like his son was like, my house was broken into after my, uh, my father died. And then I rushed to the warehouse that contained the secret information. And when I got there, Everything was undisturbed except for the container that had the secret information, which had been taken. And how very golden plates of him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Moroni had placed the information implicating the CIA and the assassination of Kennedy in a purple trunk. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, it appeared that the CIA or Moroni spirited away the purple trunk before we could get our hands on it. And a lot of times in the episode, we have Russert talking about how Nagel kept talking about all these dead man switches he had and how they can't kill me because they know if they kill me, it'll all come out. And that's how I'm one step ahead of them. And then the payoff at the end is they kill him and then they grab the evidence and it doesn't come out. So Nagel just loses to the CIA at the end of the story. And the thing is, is that Nagel, um, constantly talked about all this information. He constantly talked about how he had all these things that could validate what he was talking about. He claimed that he had a photo. Uh, he had somebody take a photo of himself with Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans, but this photo has never surfaced. He claimed that he had uh, an audio recording of four people talking about the assassination of President Kennedy before it happened and how, what they were planning on doing, and that this recording he would obviously release to verify his claims. That recording never was revealed. It's never been found. This is something that is just, uh, it's just constant. And this is something that you, we see it so much with QAnon, with all these other, like, uh, what I call grand unifying conspiracy theories, where everything in the world is explained through the conspiracy theory where people claim they have the evidence, but they never reveal the evidence. It's never shown to us. We just all, It's a matter of faith. It's like Frazzledrip. Like one of these days, we're going to see the video of Hillary flaying that young girl and wearing her face as a mask. Like it's that kind of stuff. And like that's... Well, I've interviewed a guy who's definitely seen it. Okay. And he was actually one of the video processors who saw the original video. And here's my interview with him now. <laughs> right exactly yeah they came in with the, the 8 millimeter version of Frazzle Drip and then I converted it to VHS and saved a copy <laughs> it's just, it's, oh god oh, <laughs> if only but this is the thing about Nagel is that uh, oh and another big thing is that uh, if you actually follow Nagel's life after his traumatic brain injury is that pretty much anywhere he goes in America he hits up the local VA because he's got veterans benefits and he has rights to see 
the veteran, the veterinary, the, the veterans like uh, hospitals. And he never hit up the VA in New Orleans, which is really strange because that dude loved seeing doctors because he was hurting. The guy was messed up. And that, and this was his stated reason for why he shot the bank up when he did. Like there, it wasn't, oh, I wanted to be away from Dallas or any of that. When confronted about why he shot up the bank, he said, I want access to mental health. Like maybe if I go to prison, I can see some psychiatrists and they can talk to me and they can try to make my mental health better because I am like deeply unwell. I am hurting. I am a hurting human being who feels like I have been discarded by society, which is really tragic. And this part is presented when he shoots up the bank and just goes and sits down and waits for the police to come for him as if obviously, you know, it's, it's part of the great Marvel cinematic story happening where like uh, he had to do this because, um, you know, he knew, he knew that the assassination was going to happen and he couldn't stop it. Um, And it's like, Okay, um, that's a really interesting take of a man that's suffering uh, from the lack of mental health care in this country and openly stating it at his arrest that he wanted health care. Kind of a interesting take. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could I could not unmute myself. Incredible <laughs> professional. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, Riverside was just like, nope, that 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 mute button, not unmuted. <laughs> Go to hell. But the other thing about this is that the whole story around Nagel doing this, the whole story around Nagel shooting up the bank because he has foreknowledge of the plot to kill Kennedy in Dallas and blame it on Lee Harvey Oswald, all of this is the most maddening part of the podcast series that I had heard up to this point. And I don't even know if episode eight breaks it because this is absolutely the most bizarre, convoluted and incoherent narrative I could even imagine. And basically what Rob Reiner and Dick Russell are telling us, and they're telling us this straight faced, absolutely shamelessly 100% this is our story and we're sticking with it is that the uh, the KGB uh, Nagel has infiltrated them and he the KGB now think that Nagel is part of their team and the KGB tell Nagel okay buddy we have inside intelligence that elements of the CIA are going to attempt to assassinate President Kennedy and their most important asset to pull this mission off is Lee Harvey Oswald, a man you have worked with, the guy that you were hanging out with when you tried to um, get that colonel of ours to defect to your side. But now you're on our side, so it's all cool. It's all good in the hood. And so what we want you to do is kill Lee Harvey Oswald this will disrupt the CIA's plan to kill Kennedy and 
prevent the CIA from framing us for Kennedy's murder. And Nagel, in, according to Rob Reiner, Nagel goes to Oswald and is like, yo, Lee, these people you're hanging out with and that you're working with, they're setting you up, dude. They're going to screw you over. They're going to frame you for killing the president in a little while. And Oswald's all like, "No way, man! They're the coolest dudes in the in the, in the they're the coolest dudes I know. They're too school. They're too cool for school. I love my like weird CIA bros. They, they would never do that to me, Daddy O. I'm Lee Harvey Oswald, the cool cat." And Nagel's just like pulls his hair out, walks away from Oswald, and is like, "Damn it! I I couldn't convince Oswald that like these people are setting him up for the biggest crime ever." And I have to um, actually directly quote the the podcast here. And here we go. It says, so what did the Soviets want Nagel to do? They wanted him to take out Oswald. You mean kill him? Yes, they wanted him to take him out. Um, oh, sorry. Perfect. I, I quoted it and misread it, but it doesn't matter. You know what <laughs> So, yes, Nagel was trapped. His loyalty was to the United States. He knew he couldn't do it. But he also knew if he ordered the orders from the KGB, he was a dead man. Now, when I heard that line, there was like a record skip in my brain. And the first time I heard it, because I, 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 I uh, peek behind the curtain here at the uh, Hell World creative process that I go through here. I listened to these episodes once to like let them wash over me. Then I, I, I listened to them again a second time to take notes. And usually when I'm letting them wash over me, I'm driving to her from work. And when I heard that line about how his loyalty lied with the United States, so he couldn't do it, I just wanted to aim for a telephone pole and just just call. <laughs> I just wanted to get the check. I this is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. So the KGB tells you there is a plot to assassinate the president of the United States, and that this plot is in motion. The president is going to be killed in the very near future. But the but this plot to kill the and I'm gonna keep saying this over and over again because I really want this to sink in. That this plot to kill the president of the United States hinges on one dude. And if you kill that dude, the president will live. And then you, Richard Case Nagel, are like, my loyalty lies with America. I must let the president die. <laughs> like that is your logic here? That is your logic, that your loyalty to America is so great, the American president must be killed in order to what? To me, like, the, the, and the way they explained it is that Reiner was basically saying that the KGB knew the CIA was going to kill Kennedy and frame Oswald, and they were doing this as a pretext to, like, stoke Cold War tensions between the two sides and maybe lead to a war. And the KGB wanted Oswald killed so this wouldn't fucking happen and yet we are told Nagel's deep and abiding loyalty to America was so great that he again had to let Kennedy get shot which this makes no sense like I don't care that the quote unquote bad guys the KGB are telling you about the plot to kill the president like if somebody went up to me and was like yo Mr. Reigns um some people are going to kill the president and we would like you to prevent them from doing that. And I'd be like, how can I prevent them from killing the president? Be like, kill this person that you are associated with. And I'd be like, Oh, okay. And they're like, by the way, 
we are the bad guys. We're actually terrible people. We are, I don't know, Al-Qaeda plus ISIS plus whoever. Whatever villains you want. And we're also uh, members of North Korean intelligence. And it's and I'd still be like, so I, in order to head off this confrontation between you guys and these ele- these rogue elements in the American government, I have to kill this person to prevent them from killing the president. And they're like, yes. And I'd be like, okay, I will kill that person then. That sounds like a great idea because I don't want the American president to be assassinated. It wouldn't even matter if it was Trump. Like, I mean, if if Trump was the president and these people were like, kill this person to keep Trump alive because, re- because things will go to shit if it doesn't work. I'll be like, Damn it, I have to save Donald Trump. This sucks. <laughs> Screw you for putting me in this position, you evil I'd let people. It <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing the, the triple reverse loyalty to America. <laughs> Die. But, that, that's the, and, but that's the whole thing about this is just the idea that. Again, in the in this story, John F. Kennedy is our greatest hero. He is the ultimate champion. He is the peace president. He is saving the world through his existence and his presidency. Kennedy is the objectively best good guy in the world. Of all the good boys in the world, President Kennedy is the goodest boy. We scratch his ears mm-hmm. and we feed him treats all the time. He's such a good boy. And Richard Case Nagel is told the goodest boy will die if he doesn't kill a moron. And Nagel's like, I can't do it. I can't kill the moron. Skinny twig, abusive to his wife. Yeah. (laughs) Annoying, annoyingly debating Marxism. I can't, I can't murder this wife beating lunatic communist nutball (laughs) who thinks he's king shit. Can't do it. There's no way I can do it. And like, like literally, if Nagel kills Oswald, Kennedy lives. The CIA's plan is destroyed. <laughs> all of this. And the fact that, and like, and, and there's like, a, like there's, there's this really important part is that after they say that, they don't even, they don't even do what we're doing where we're like theory crafting how that plays out. Because I think on some level, Reiner and Russert and Soledad know that if they actually, put out like the if they actually started branching out the trees like the decision trees afterwards it makes nagel's story look so terrible that like like, no we can't even discuss it we just literally have to say that nagel can't kill oswald because reasons which is and it's ridiculous and let's just even say that nagel for whatever reason couldn't kill Oswald, just like his code of ethics, whatever. He couldn't kill Oswald. Why is shooting up the bank and why are shooting up the bank his play? Why is putting himself in jail the play? Like, again, we, we're going, we're just going to say that Officer Bundren's statement was 100% accurate that Nagel was like, I don't want to be in Dallas. Wouldn't Nagel. So now Nagel has all the information. He knows Oswald's going to be framed for the the assassination of President Kennedy. He knows it's going to happen in Dallas. He's just waiting. He knows five days before the fact that it's even announced. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah, yeah. which I can't get over. I just can't oh, yeah. get over that. Yeah, it's, so no, it's, it's so silly. But let's just like take all of that at face value. Okay, now I'm Richard Case Nagel, and for some reason, I will not just kill Oswald. I just we'll, we'll just make that a baseline thing that like I'm Batman. I'm not going to kill Oswald. So now I wait and I hear about Kennedy's planned trip through Texas. And I see that Kennedy is going to arrive in Dallas on the 22nd. So I get into town on the 21st. I find Lee Harvey Oswald at his job at the Texas School Book Depository. And then I'm like, yo, Lee, uh, so the president's going to be in town tomorrow. And Lee's like, yeah, he is. What of it? And then I'm like, uh, I happen to have uh, $2,000 here. Why don't you give your wife some of this money? And then why don't you, like, I don't know. Take a trip. Go somewhere else. Just uh, tell your boss that you're sick and you're not going to be in the work tomorrow and you're just not here. And you just have this delicious thousand or so dollars worth of money for yourself. And then Oswald's like, uh, okay. And then you've bought Oswald off. He's nowhere near the Texas School Book Depository on November 22nd. We've got the assassins lining up. And then uh, Steve assassin lackey and guy that's trying to keep track of all the chess pieces of the chessboard. Steve runs over to Jim, the guy who's running the assassination plot. And Steve's like, Jim, Jim, Oswald didn't show up to work today. And Jim's like, damn it. It's all gone to hell. Abort mission, abort, abort. And all the assassins are like, oh, we can't kill the president today. This sucks. And they all slink away from Daily Plaza. And then Kennedy just rides through and nothing happens. And the world <laughs> is better. Like, that could have happened. Peace. Or, yeah. Or Oswald could have told Nagel to pound sand on the twenty second, on the 21st. And then on the morning of the 22nd, as Oswald's walking to a car with a large bag under his arm, it's totally inconspicuous. Nagel's like, hey, Lee, I told you to leave. And Lee's like, no. And then Nagel, like, takes out his, like, brass knuckles and goes, bam, and just punches Oswald in the head and sucker punches him to the ground. And then gives him a couple for the road and then grabs the package and runs away with it. And then again, Jim and Steve have the same conversation. Only this time Oswald's in the hospital with a broken orbital bone and no assassination world saved. Nagel has a million ways to play this that save President Kennedy and make his cage. What I don't understand about this is that why does Nagel ruin his connections to the KGB like isn't like Nagel is working for the CIA as a double agent under the KGB and the KGB tells him yo kill Oswald stop this assassination does Nagel go to his CIA case officer is he worried that his case officer is compromised like Nagel could go to the army intelligence he could go anywhere he could explain the situation to more people and try to have this thing resolved he could implicate Oswald to an intelligence community that might be able to interdict this thing and stop it. But Nagel literally gets told to kill Oswald and stop the assassination of President Kennedy. And he's like, I can't do it. The only way out I see here is to shoot up a bank. It's the only way. It's the only play I got. (laughs) No other play. I just have to put myself in jail. And like I imagine that CIA, his CIA handler is like, yo, Nagel, why did you put yourself in jail? And Nagel's like, uh, I can't talk about it, boss. He's like, what do you mean? You're a double agent. You work for me. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, the KGB told me to, you know, 
kill Lee Harvey Oswald because he's working for you to kill Kennedy. Soledad had the funniest line during this bit. She was like, talk about being in a rock and hard place. (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh pretty hard. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's a way of putting it, I guess. (laughs) But the the thing about that, the thing about that for me is that it's not a rock and a hard place. For me, it's like, imagine being in a, between a rock and the softest, most comfortable bed you could ever imagine. Like, I mean, it's just like, I don't understand it. Because to me, stopping Oswald from the plan, that's just a win-win-win for everybody. You make your CIA handler, you make your KGB handler happy. Your CIA handler who's got you working as a double agent for the KGB is happy that you've further ingratiated yourself to the KGB and can do more missions. You've saved the president's life. You've done a lot of great things here. And instead, Nagel opts for uh, for option Z on the scale, which is throw yourself in prison. Let the president die. Like, I just don't understand. It's so dumb. Like, if they, had, if they had approached this story with, like, Nagel knew something was up, but he didn't know what, Nagel, fearing for his own safety and wondering if he could be implicated in the assassination, decided to throw himself in jail as a way to give himself an airtight alibi against what would happen in Dallas. If you said that, I'd be like, dumb, but plausible. (laughs) The the story they gave us is absolute bonkers because they're literally telling us that Nagel has not, he has complete foreknowledge of the assassination up to who the alleged assassin will be and where the assassination is going to happen. Because, as we have brought up many times here, Lee Harvey Oswald cannot drive. He literally is very stationary unless he has to grab a cab to go somewhere. So Oswald's options for president killing are incredibly limited. Either Kennedy has to drive by his boarding house, Ruth Payne's house, or the Texas School Book Depository. Otherwise, Oswald's going to need to bum a ride to go murder the president. He's a bad driver? No license. Never got a license. Never learned how to drive. Shut out. <laughs> Man. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Yes. And, it's, and, and, that's, and that's the other thing is that, like, why why would the CIA invest in such a lousy assassin? <laughs> Can't even set? drive. Can't even drive. And you're like, oh, we got this assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald. He's great. And it's like, okay, so tell him to be here at this time. Like, well, we'll have to get a car for him. He can't drive. The cab's late and the bus is behind schedule. So can he catch the light rail? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> our, There's no Uber at the time. <laughs> our incredibly deadly assassin who needs public transportation to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, like the bus is late. Kennedy passed an hour ago. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Right, what you what you just said. Literally, the way Oswald gets to work is his buddy Walt Frazier drives him to work. You're Richard Case Nagel. You know this. You slash Walt Frazier's tires that morning. Oswald can't get to work. You have saved <laughs> the president. There's a million ways you could have done this. Just nope, make him a little you, late. Yeah, just make him a little late. Just you don't have, have to kill the guy. You, you, you don't have to kill the guy. But yeah, again. Just I don't uh, just pull like pull the pull the pull the battery out of <laughs> out of the guy's car something anything just I can't make it into work boss my car got vandalized and now Lee can't try get in either because he needs me to bum a ride 
Like I the mean, great claim is that he's like a CIA top secret army intelligence op like secret operation officer, and it's like you didn't think to just slash some tires, maybe, or make him a little late for work that day. <laughs> you just just couldn't come up with anything. Couldn't with come the up flu gun, you know, make him a little yeah. sick for a couple weeks. Like anything, <laughs> anything, anything. <laughs> frame him for some minor crime mm-hmm. lock him up. <laughs> yeah, just lock him up literally just uh call some dallas police lie about an outstanding warrant for lee harvey oswald on the 21st the cops grab him on the 21st throw him in jail he makes bail at 5 p.m the next day kennedy's through he lives i mean it's just this is the dumbest thing they have said in this podcast and it is so incredible because after this ad break we're going to tell you about the even dumber thing they hit us with almost immediately after which made my head explode like kennedy's it was really bad and now the ad break and now the big payoff afterwards Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we're back. And after Nagel's dumb nonsense, suddenly Rob Reiner and crew get into Operation Northwoods, which is the weirdest segue that makes no sense in this story. Now, in the movie JFK, Oliver Stone crafts a very quick, very tight narrative, which is simply Kennedy was going to get us out of Vietnam. They murdered him. Johnson escalated the war. Boom. That's all we needed to know. Kennedy was murdered at the behest of the military-industrial complex so that they could get their beloved war in Vietnam. And Reiner and company hint at that a bunch in this series. They talk about the executive order Kennedy signed to withdraw 1,000 troops, blah, blah, blah. Then Johnson rescinds the executive order, puts the troops back in, boo, 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 hiss. And they 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 play around that a bit, but then and and that's again that is a narrative you can sell you can sell that to people. But then they do this bonkers thing with Operation Northwoods, where they where they explain that Operation Northwoods was a plan to instigate a confrontation with Cuba via false flags and basically they wanted to gin up an excuse to attack Cuba. 
They wanted to do something bad and then blame it on Cuba to get the American people all gung-ho for a war with Cuba and the Soviet Union. And that's the gist. That's the plan. And and they then bring up that Kennedy rejected this, which he did. And, this, and Operation Northwoods never went anywhere. But in the Reinerverse, they're like, oh, no, Operation Northwoods took a darker, even more sinister turn when they decided the Northwoods Kennedy to get their war with Cuba. So um, I'm going to go through my American history book. Look, uh, November 22nd, 1963, President Kennedy got popped in the head. So um, when does that war with Cuba happen? 1964, 1965, 1966? Man, I'm going through all these book pages of my American history book. I do not see this war with Cuba that they got from killing Kennedy. I'm sure it's in there somewhere because Rob Reiner told me that's why they did this, that we murdered Kennedy to get a war with Cuba. Oh, wait, that didn't happen. Why did he you He was say- developed as a false flag assassin to blame <laughs> Cuba, was I believe the line. Like, right. I, he was developed as a false flag assassin. That's right. To blame yeah. Cuba. But it's to like, wow, Cuba. that's a wild line. <laughs> Right. I mean, that was the whole quote unquote sheep dipping thing. Sheep dipped, sheep dipped. Mm-hmm. And again, that unbelievably inorganic conversation they had. <laughs> it's just horrible. Um, don't, don't gun for the Emmy on your podcast series. Your, oh, they th- so will. They, they so are gonna. Yeah. But I mean, it's just <laughs> what, what makes this so dumb and what makes this so infuriating to me is that. Back in my day, old old poker, old Mark Reigns, neck deep in the Kennedy assassination since the 1990s, since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, I was obsessed with this shit. I am so old. I remember when people talked about how the Warren Commission was used as a way to crush actual investigations into the Kennedy assassination by pitting it on Oswald. Because the great fear of the Warren Commission was that evidence would come out implicating Cuba or the Soviet Union with killing Kennedy. And if that happened, we were all fucked and it would be World War III. They do bring this up a little bit in the in this podcast series, but they mostly just state that uh, Warren was bullied by Lyndon Johnson into doing the Warren Commission. But I don't think they actually use like the quote. Because there was a the, the, the big quote that I've seen from Lyndon Johnson to Earl Warren was, if you don't do this, 20 million Americans will die. And what that implication was is that if you don't investigate this, pin it on Oswald and let us all walk away from this thing, no muss, no fuss, some assholes may start poking around. And if they find any implications of a Cuban or Soviet connection to Kennedy's death, that's World War III and we're, and we're all dead. So... On the one hand, you've got this idea that the assassination of President Kennedy was done in the interest of ginning up a war against the Soviet Union and Cuba. And on the other side, you literally have conspiracy theorists saying the Warren Commission thought they were justified in quelling honest investigations into the Kennedy assassination for fear of a war against Cuba and the Soviet Union. So you got to pick one. You can't have both. They're, they're, to, to have both as options is to reject logic and sanity. Either this was done to instigate a war against the Cubans or 
the fear of war with Cuba was so great that let the CIA and the FBI slip away with the murder they just committed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's a part where Soledad literally asks, like, so there's no smoking gun. Because there's nothing yeah. in this episode. There's not. This is a. This is a. This is a pointless episode, practically. I mean, it's important to understand the eventual narrative that Rob Reiner will craft. But you're literally just. This whole episode is about a guy who lied. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. This whole episode is literally about a guy who lied. And what Soledad is talking about in that spot is she's talking about how there's like still a few files that have not been released by the JFK Assassination Review Board. And that, like, every president has like, not released them. Trump didn't release them. Biden hasn't released them. And Russert and uh, Reiner both are like, yeah, there's probably nothing really big in there anymore. And they even then go a step beyond. And they're like, yeah, and if, there, if there had been anything big in there, they would have destroyed it a long time ago. We're never going to yeah. The CIA would have destroyed it a long time ago. <laughs> right. Much as they destroyed the purple trunk that had Nagel's smoking gun evidence and the golden plates. From the angel Moroni. So I mean, we get a Clinton just... Clinton body count kind of in this too, but it's it's JFK body count, which we talked about this at the JFK uh, Sixth Floor Museum because they had like a um, magazine clipping or newspaper clipping um, on the wall, and it was um it was because not everything at the JFK Museum was like factual some of it was showing the conspiracies and um the many narratives and there was one piece on one of the walls that was playing into like the jfk body count thing where um a a ton of key witnesses to the assassination were mysteriously found dead and um they do that in this episode they do that they just kind of name drop people. Uh, they jo- mob boss John Roselli. They're they don't even go into it. They just na- they're just like he was found in an oil barrel, and that's that's it. They don't explain why he was a key witness or why his death was uh, done by the CIA or whoever they're blaming. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like, Joey Roselli was going to testify before the House of Committee of Assassinations. The next day, he was found up, like chopped to pieces in an oil drum. And mm-hmm. they don't bring up the fact that the House of Committee of Assassinations like investigated his death and did, did not determine that it had anything to do with the Kennedy assassination. It had to do with the fact that he's a mob boss and that they live violent lives and get killed that way every now and then. Yeah, literally, it's like the most mob boss way to die. Um, and then obviously they play into the fact that um like Nagel uh was died and they 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 definitely make it sound like he was capped. And yeah. I I thought it was kind of funny that Dick Russell is explaining this and he he kind of it, it kind of sounds like he's taking the taking a little bit of responsibility for for getting this guy murdered in their little story cuz he says that um, the assassinations record review board heard him talking about Nagel at a conference, and then they called him for an interview, and then he was found dead uh, the day after the subpoena arrived. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And 
and the thing that and they bring up him, they bring up Demorn Schmidt, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, and then Reiner just says this thing like eighteen witnesses died within three years. Why is that a throwaway line? Why do you not? Yeah. Through, why do you not go through all these witnesses and explain what happened to them? What, Shouldn't that be its own episode? Maybe right. Like literally, like the 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 JFK body count episode that should be super important. Of course, the JFK body count episode would actually be about like five thousand women because JFK had sex with anything within his. <laughs> yeah, that that would be ah uh, body count the way people use it nowadays. Topical. No, <laughs> Double but, entendre. Oh. I, I, <laughs> Mike Rains, the cleverest boy. <laughs> Sparkle in my eyes. Yeah. But it, 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 you just, you throw that out there just as red meat for people and you don't want it actually looked into when you do that. And I, I, I might dig into the JFK body count in episode seven because the episode seven sucks again. We're going to have to punch it up. <laughs> but this episode, I mean, I, it, to me, it's just really wild that you take Nagel so seriously and you take what he said as absolutely the gospel and all that good stuff. And yet you don't actually think about what he was saying and what ridiculous nonsense he was bringing to the table. Cause I, I, man, it is the dumbest, weirdest, most stressful thing for me to think about that just the whole story that Nagel lays out there is so implausible and so incoherent that it really just strains credulity. I mean, it's just something where if you had listened to the first five episodes of this series with an open mind and you were buying into these people, when you hear that Nagel can't kill Oswald due to his deep abiding loyalty to America, like, that should be disqualifying. You should just listen to that and then just be like, you know, no, no. Like, Rob and Soledad have gone off the wheels here. I'm out. I'm done. I'm, Oswald acted alone. Like, you should just reject this so aggressively. You should just be like, no, I cast ye away. It should be like drinking spoiled milk. You should just spit it out of your mouth and, like, just push the bottle off the table. And be like, no, I, I can I. I condemn thee. I reject thee. I rebuke thee. It's just the most bizarre, incoherent narrative I could ever imagine. It just—it's just such a strange thing that happened. Oh, one other thing that was really funny was uh, in, in, during this during this whole episode. They bring up that Jim Garrison vouched for Nagel, and the, like Jim Garrison thought that Nagel was great. It's like Jim Garrison is terrible. Oliver Stone turning that guy into a hero in the movie JFK is one of the most disgraceful things Hollywood has ever done. Jim Garrison was just a headline chasing crank who just wanted to see himself on TV. Uh, I, I'm going to bet that Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien in the last two episodes are not going to state that uh, Jim Garrison's opening theory for the Kennedy assassination was that it was, quote unquote, a homosexual thrill killing. That, cool. That probably wouldn't age well in the modern era. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was like Garrison got into the whole CIA Vietnam stuff. But at the start of the whole thing. 
basically Garrison's working theory was that the gays hated Kennedy because he was just so handsome and virile and had young children because he was able to procreate. And so this just basically we had the virgin gays versus the Chad JFK and the virgin <laughs> gays were like, we're going to murder that guy because he has a lot of sex and we don't like it. And it's like, spoiler alert, Jim Garrison, gay people have lots of sex, too. That's how that works. <laughs> when two guys get together, they skip the small talk because they're men. <laughs> they like to screw. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, the fact that Reiner was just like, Jim Garrison, it's like, oh, boy, you should probably not bring up Jim Garrison at all. Because, <laughs> again, if you dig into JFK, maybe we should do that next. Like, we should just keep this going for forever and just get into all the JFK nutball <laughs> shit. JFK the movie is terrible and bad and wrong. But yeah, so boy howdy, like do not use Jim Garrison as one of your character witnesses. That is a great way to impugn your own credibility. So thanks, all that. Um, yeah, thanks, all that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the uh, and then at the very end of the episode, literally, Soledad reads a document. Because again, the episode was like 80% Russert and, and Reiner, and they just have Soledad read something. And then Russert talks for a little bit, and then he makes her do it again. And then he asks her to read another thing. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so patronizing. I hate it so much. It's the most infuriating thing they do on this. I mean, it It just feels like they are producing a podcast that is a monologue because it's mostly just Russer. It mostly just, it's either Russert speaking or Reiner speaking and they're not speaking conversationally. They're just speaking as in a, uh, as a professor teaching to a class, there's no intent for a conversation to be had. And then the producers realize, Oh wait, we have this, award-winning mainstream journalist who's agreed to sign her name onto this project, this poor woman. And they feel the need to throw it to her every so often. And it's always so awkward and stilted that it just, it's just like, man, this is uh, not great. It's the opposite of great. It's perhaps even bad. Mm-hmm. I really have nothing left to say about this episode because it was just a, a one man's lie. The episode. <laughs> um, I'm still waiting for them to bring up the other um, attempted assassination of a politician that um, Oswald was involved with um, the Edwin Walker, but he that was, is so a, far. A, yeah. He was a general, not a politician and they're never going to oh. bring it they're never going to bring it up. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I at, at this point where I'm, I'm listening through eight episodes and episode nine is Jack Ruby. And then episode 10 is who actually killed Kennedy. So it doesn't. And again, these episodes are like about a half hour long plus ads. So it's like, I truly cannot imagine that they have the time nor inclination to uh, bring up anything else beyond uh, what they've done. So yeah, we're we're never gonna get uh, we're never gonna get any talk about Edwin Walker. Uh, when when they get into JD Tippett, oh boy, I mean they hand episode eight they just hand wave away JD Tippett's murder. There's like, and then JD Tippett got killed. 
what happened? Shrug emoji. Because <laughs> they know how bad that looks if Oswald killed a cop right before he got arrested. So they don't even they don't even try to get into it. And that's the thing that really, as Haley has brought up, is that this is a show that is really all about absolving bad people of terrible things. Lee Harvey Oswald was an awful piece of shit. And the fact that we have this 10-part podcast series trying to like frame him in a positive light is really weird and bizarre. I mean, like I, either the episode before this or the one before that, they had this one part where they were, they were just all like, and then the press, they said that Oswald defected to Russia and he was a communist. He was a bad person. And it made me sad because in reality, Oswald was a CIA agent working for mom, the flag and apple pie doing what they told him <laughs> to do. And it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you trying to like pump up Oswald's bona fides as a good person when he's not, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's a, oh my God. It's just, it's just really really strange it's just uh just this really bizarre thing that they did and and they're still doing it i mean it's just like that's the kind of thing that we have going on here so that was episode six it was terrible uh and it had the really weirdest thing in it where they concoct this story about nagel and Nagel is Nagel is powerless to stop the assassination of President Kennedy when he has all the information anyone would need to stop it. Literally, if you gave a seven-year-old child this information, they could have saved Kennedy's life. We could write, we could make a Disney movie about this and save Kennedy. Like it, it's really incoherent. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this. I uh, hope you enjoy episode seven. Uh, episode seven, we will try to punch it up. It's not great. And strap in for episode eight. Episode eight, out of control. Just absolutely nuts. And I can't wait until episodes nine and ten. I've uh, I've had spoiler alerts that um, the grassy knoll may not be where the fight- fatal shot was fired from. Is Rob Reiner going to go storm drain? Are we getting storm drain? I'm so excited. <laughs> that would be wild. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna list, I'm gonna listen to nine and ten probably this week. So next week maybe I'll do like a little lead in for them as well. Because again, gonna have to do something for next week's episode. It's not gonna be great. Then episode Beautiful. eight, episode eight, incredible. And I'm sure nine and ten are gonna be wild because um, episode nine is about Jack Ruby. Um, I wonder if they're gonna tell us about the fact that uh, that Ruby had a timestamp from Western Union four minutes before he shot Oswald. So like literally he was not in position in any way, shape or form. And he had to luck out to make, to make it to Oswald in time to kill him. We'll see. Cause I uh, will give uh, Haley a little, I'll give you all a little spoiler here for episode eight. They actually brought up the wedding ring and the money that Oswald left his wife. They oh, actually did it. Wow. They, they, they actually admitted that like the, they actually gave one bad piece of evidence against Oswald. In the <laughs> Incredible. So yeah, we'll get into all that in the next two weeks. Uh, Have a good one, everybody, and we will catch you later. Later, Gator.